our scripture to begin this morning is from John chapter 5. John 5, 1 through 9. Follow along with me as I read. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up! Pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, for the third week in a row now, we're looking at this sermon series, You Believe in God, But... This morning, as we look at this, this section, there is the potential to hear and apply it in all kinds of different ways because it's as unique and individual as we are. So this week, we're going to think about when you believe in God, but don't believe you can change. Or maybe we rephrase it to say we believe in God, but not God's power to change me. What am I talking about? Well, see if any of these phrases sound familiar to you, if you've ever said them or thought them or maybe heard somebody else do so. Often the thought process begins with, well, that's just the way I am. I've always been this way and I'll always be like this. I've always had a bad temper. It's just the way I am. My dad is an impulsive spender. I'm an impulsive spender. It's just the way it is. You know, I just seem to be naturally grumpy. I guess I'll always be that way. What's it to you? I'd love to be better at serving God and caring for people, but I'll never be as good as that group over there. It's just who I am. Or maybe we've thought, I've tried reading my Bible, but I never get much out of it. I guess I'm just not really capable of understanding it. It's just the way I am. If we're making statements like this, or even thinking them, what we're really saying is that even God is not big enough and powerful enough to help me change. I believe in God, but I don't think I'll ever change. I've tried. I've read books. I've joined support groups. I've made New Year's resolutions. I've even prayed about it. But I haven't changed so far. This is just who I am and what I'm like. 
Apparently, even God is not powerful enough to change me. So I'm stuck being like this forever. I'm stuck being like this forever. I know, we don't like change, right? Big change, little change. I mean, even things that don't matter at all, like did you notice there are several people sitting in different places this week than they usually do? Change, you can't do that. (laughs) If you believe that you'll never change, if you believe there's something about your character, your temperament, your personality, your heart and soul that can't change, you've never been more wrong. If you believe your power to remain unchanged is greater than the power of God to bring about creative change in our lives and make us more like Christ, you're dead wrong. Our God is bigger than any need for change in us and powerful enough to bring that about in a gracious and loving way in our lives. In Mark 10, when Jesus was explaining how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom, his disciples were astounded. They wondered how it was possible that anybody would be saved. And Jesus said to them, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You've heard that verse again and again, right? All things are possible with God. Now, with people, change may be difficult. And if it depends on our own strengths and abilities, our own power to bring about change, it may be totally impossible. But with God, all things are possible. No matter what we are, what change we'd like to see, nothing is too big for our God. If we believe our issue is too big for even God to deal with it, we've bought into a lie. If we believe God can't handle bringing about effective, redemptive, grace-filled change in our lives, we've bought into a lie that we've convinced ourselves is true. The fact is that's a lie that comes directly from the enemy of our souls. who whispers in our ear, God can't take care of that. It's just not true. Because God is in the business of change, or more specifically, God's in the business of transformation, transforming hearts and souls and minds. Listen to these words from Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect let God transform you into 
a new person. Transformation. It's the act or work of God to change us and make us new. To recreate us daily into the image of Jesus Christ. And we need to cling to the truth that God's power to transform us is much bigger than our inability to change. We can experience newness of life through the power of God, being remade, renewed, recreated, changed. It's the work of God. It's done by the power of God and the people of God, and it is available to every one of us. You've already heard the verse once as Jeremy shared with the children, but listen again to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old can pass away. The new can come. We can be transformed from the old to the new. It's God's work in us. And where there's God's work, there's God's power bringing that about. I guess for most of us, the bottom line is, do we want to change? Do we have a desire for change and are we willing for that to take place by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? Do we have a desire to change? That was the question from our scripture, our first scripture, where Jesus asked the man who had been an invalid for 38 years, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? He had been waiting in the same place for years, waiting, hoping for a miracle. A lot of you know, some people believed at that point in that time that periodically the waters in this pool by the sheep gate would be stirred by an angel and their belief was when the waters were stirred the first person in the water would be healed this man had been waiting for almost four decades but never had a chance to get into the water at the right time other people had always beaten him into the water because he was an invalid that had become the excuse he held on to for years. And yes, there was some truth in that. He couldn't do it himself. He couldn't get there himself and couldn't convince anyone to help him. He couldn't do whatever he thought was necessary to make himself better. As Jesus approaches that man, he didn't ask, what's wrong? He didn't even say, hey, how can I help? He didn't ask, do you know how to get well? Or do you, do you have a plan? What all have you tried? Jesus doesn't go there to any of that. He asked him the one question that truly mattered. Do you want to get well? Do you want to change? Not do you want to get in the pool. Not how hard have you tried, but do you want to get 
well. Do you want to change and are you willing to change? This man had had this excuse to offer so long. But into that situation, Jesus reveals divine power. He says, get up, take up your mat and walk. And at once, this guy's cured. He's whole. He picks up his mat and he walks away. The man was healed. It was a change he couldn't have imagined in his wildest dreams. But by the power of God, transformation happened in his life visibly in his body and I have no doubt that it was just as real in his heart and soul now it may not be quite as dramatic in our lives but the same power that made that man well is the same power that's available to impact our lives if we're still living and breathing God's still working in us to grow us to transform us to change us more completely into the image of Christ God is not done with us yet God still has work to do in all of us making excuses for who we are will never get us to where God wants to take us Regardless of the struggle or the change we might be wrestling with, if all we do is make excuses, essentially, we're insulting the power of God. Basically saying, yeah, I know you're God and all, but I know there's nothing you can do about this. Not in my life. It's just an insult. Uh, uh, a statement of doubt. A lack of trust. God, even you can't change this part of me. Why is it such a big deal to believe that God can change whatever might need changing? Well, change is what God does. Change is the work of God throughout our lives. It's the whole basis for our journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Transformation. Being transformed more completely into the image of Christ. It's how we grow as followers of Christ, as disciples of Jesus. I want to share with you a simple growth process for people who are disciples of Jesus and are on a journey with Him. Stages of spiritual growth that we all go through as long as we walk faithfully with Christ. Now there's way more to this than what I have time to share with you this morning but I want to look at the basics of this growth chart. Some of you who have been, been through the uh, real-life discipleship classes have already seen some of this in much more detail. For those of you who have not, I want you to know that uh, Rich Lewis and Helen Patrick are going to be leading one of those groups that begins about a month from now, and they'd love to have you as a part of that as we talk about growing in our own personal walk with the Lord and how that happens. For now, let me just briefly expose you to these stages of discipleship. They begin after our choice to follow Christ. Initially, we all find ourselves in a state of unbelief and are spiritually dead. Choosing Christ, we are born again to new life. And then the journey begins at the point of being a spiritual infant. That describes a young Christian who 
wants to walk by faith but really doesn't know much. They don't know much about Jesus. They don't know how God can work in our lives. They don't know what it means to read Scripture and to pray and to follow Christ. It's a point at which they're characterized by ignorance, not stupidity, legitimate ignorance. They've just never heard, nobody's ever taught them. And so they don't really know what's going on, but they know they want to start the journey. They're spiritual infants. Then we move to the point of being a spiritual child. These young Christians have grown some from the point of infancy. They've been changed a bit by God. But they're still kind of characterized by self-centeredness. What they prefer, what they want, how things affect them. Now, we all go through these stages. There's nothing wrong with these stages. Infancy, spiritual childhood, nothing wrong with those. We all grow through them. It's a part of the natural journey of our walk with the Lord. But the hope and what I believe is God's plan for us is that we continue to move around this uh, discipleship circle and move toward an ever-growing, ever-maturing relationship in Christ. The next one of those, those stages is spiritual young adulthood. Now, those who are at this stage have experienced greater change by God's power, transformation of who they are and how they live, transformation of heart and soul has occurred in their lives. They've grown to the point now that they are God-centered and other people-centered rather than self-centered. It's a work of God. None of us get there naturally. And then finally, there are spiritual parents a spiritual parent is a christian who is reproducing themselves by helping to birth new disciples of jesus christ the primary characteristic is they do it on purpose they have a plan they have an intentional strategy of making disciples this is the journey of discipleship that we're all on someplace somewhere in that circle we could all locate ourselves. And frankly, on any given day, it could potentially change a little. Um, but it is this growth journey in which God continues to transform us more completely into the image of Christ. We all begin as infants and grow through all the way the plan is all the way to the point of being intentionally reproducing disciples as spiritual parents. Ultimately, our change in growth, growth as disciples, depends on how we answer the question that is similar to the question Jesus asked the man in the scripture. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Or are you just going to make excuses? Do you believe in God but think you can't change? It is not true. God calls us to continually grow onward and upward, to progress on that journey with Jesus that requires 
God changing our heart and soul. We can't do it. It's not dependent totally on our ability and strength and resources, but God has the plan for all of us to go through this continual process of transformation, of recreation, to be formed more into the image of Christ. You've heard this statement, I'm sure, but let me say it again. God loves us just as we are. But God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Because there's better in, in the divine plan for our lives, in God's plan for relationship with you and me, there's better than what we're already experiencing. That doesn't say what we're experiencing is bad. But there's more. God has more. Change. Transformation is the work of God in the people of God as we grow in our journey, kind of as it's illustrated in that, that picture there. And understand, friends, God's power is more than adequate to bring about the change and growth He's leading us into. On those days when we just seem to feel like we'll never change, we can place our faith not in human resources, not in human planning that always falls short. We can place our faith in the power of God that brings about transformation according to His will. God has the power. We serve an all-powerful God. God has the wisdom. We serve an all-loving, all-knowing God. And God loves us and wants the best for us. Under those circumstances, any change God brings about in us will always be for our good. It'll always be God's best for us. So, as easy as it sounds to say, we don't have to fear change. I know it can be scary sometimes. We don't have to fear change. It is how God grows us into new experiences with our Lord. When we feel like we believe in God but don't believe we can change. When we wrestle with the question, do we want to be changed? Know that the answer is, yes, Lord, your will be done. Pray with me. God, sometimes change is scary. Sometimes we don't want to mess with it. We're good right where we are and who we are and how we are. But we believe because we're told in your word and because of the testimony of the saints for centuries that you have even more for us than what we're experiencing right now. We believe you want to continually grow us, form us, transform us, to be more like Jesus every day. We can't do it ourselves. But we fully believe that by the power of your Spirit, you can do that work in us to make us more like you. Rescue us from the fears of change. Rescue us from excuses we make for just being who we are right now. 
and lead us into faithful obedience, openness to your Spirit's work in our lives so that the transformation of heart and soul continues daily. We give ourselves to you for that purpose and in the hope that you can always make your will come about in our lives. Take us, Lord. We surrender to you this morning. In Christ's name, amen.